Welcome to Captain's Corner, a podcast about community, mission, and culture. This podcast is a ministry of the Salvation Army of Tampa, where we exist because we believe every person can be the person God has called them to be. Please check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to Captain's Corner. Captain Andy Miller coming to you today from Tampa, Florida. We are so excited today to have Dr. Walt Laramore with us. He is a medical journalist. He's a doctor himself. Obviously, I said I called him doctor. He's written 30 books. He has more than 900 articles written. I've heard him on Focus on the Family and gone through one of his books. It's been really helpful to my son and myself. But Dr. Laramore, thank you for being on Captain's Corner. Hi, Captain. It's good to be with you. And given the blizzard that we're having up here in Colorado, I wish I was physically with you today. Oh, my. You really have a blizzard going on there, huh? Oh, well, you know, that's what they say here in Colorado. If you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. Oh, there you go. Well, I will brag a bit. I didn't, you know, and God, I believe through the ministry of the Salvation Army, sent me to Florida. We're in a, uh, an appointment, Episcopal type of denomination. So uh, I was sent to Tampa, believe it or not, and it's 72 degrees and it's beautiful. I will say it's true. <laughs> well, before we moved to Colorado, we practiced not far from you in a little town called Kissimmee just oh, south yeah. of our, for almost 16 years. And so we grew to love the people and we grew to love Central Florida. And our kids grew up on the beaches of St. Pete. That's where we would go for weekends. Oh, yeah. Now, which beach would you like to go to here? Well, anywhere from Clearwater down to St. Pete. Okay. Fact, go down to Naples and Marco, various meetings through various years. I think what we liked, uh, Captain, so much about the West Coast compared to the East Coast was it, what you see every day. The water was smooth. It was warm. Oh, yes. It was safe for children. We just loved it. We oh, miss yeah. you guys. That's great. It makes the people who are in Florida enjoy it. Now, feel free to call me Andy. I know this is called Captain's Corner, but feel free to call. Is it all right if I call you Walt? You bet. Okay. That, I, I know it might be strange uh, using titles like that every now and then, but uh, I appreciate you being sensitive to that. Well, one of the things that's been interesting, I would just love to hear about your story. I've, I've heard you on Focus on the Family and a few other places too, um, but I imagine some of the people who are listening to this podcast don't, haven't heard of you before, but you had, you had your uh, private practice um, and then that's turned into some, a, a larger ministry. Could you tell us a little bit how God's directed your life? Well, it's a, a fun story. Barb and I uh, both grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We were both church kids, okay. but didn't ever meet Jesus until we were in college. We both went to Harvard, okay. and we met, we met the Lord there. Well, I guess, Andy, I, it was Harvard on the bayou. That's what we called okay. LSU. <laughs> so, Is that LSU? LSU, we, LSU yeah, Okay, Louisiana. there you go. We, we grew up in Baton Rouge, so we had to go to school in Baton Rouge, and uh, I met the Lord there, and were discipled on campus, and then um, thought we might go to seminary or even into full-time Christian work, mm-hmm. applied with uh, several organizations, and ended up getting accepted to medical school, and I thought, oh dear, well I guess the Lord's just going to send us to medical school, so we'll go into medical missions, and then uh, after uh, med school at LSU, I did my residency at Duke, and then God called us into domestic missions. So okay, we um, ministered in a small practice in western North Carolina, a town called Bryson City, Oh yeah, for about, about five years, and then down to Kissimmee for 16 years, the last five of which I practiced part-time, and then ended up becoming the medical uh, director for Fox News. Oh. And doing a television show for them called Ask the Family Doctor on a channel called the uh, Fox Health Network that was filmed in Orlando. And then when that closed, Fox sold that to Discovery Health, or to Discovery. It became Discovery Health. And at that time, we were called out to Colorado to join the ministry of Focus on the Family, serving. I served as vice president there. And okay. then. Of course, Focus has gone through some gyrations and some changes, and so we left Focus after a few years and ministered at a clinic for uninsured patients here in Colorado, called Mission Medical Clinic. So we've had domestic missions experience through the uh, art and practice of medicine. Wow. So 
Now, you mentioned Bryson City, and the reason that that stands out is I've seen enough books with the title Bryson City on it, and it's probably because of you, right? You've written a few novels. Um, in yeah, addition- actually, they're, they're real-life stories about uh, ministering in Bryson City. Oh, wow, so they're, they're real. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah, one's called Bryson City Tales, and there's Bryson City Seasons, and then Bryson City Secrets. And, in fact, the woman who commissioned those books for... Zondervan is now with another company called Baker and has yeah. asked me to write books about my years ministering in Kissimmee. And so that's what I'm working on today. Uh, just before we talked, I just finished a chapter for that. And, and will that be a, a similar idea, like just uh, detailing some of your interactions there? Yep, it will be. Just, you know, all of us, no matter where God calls us, learn. We learn to practice the art and the science and the ministry to which we're called. And so the funny stories and things, and touching stories, the poignant stories that happen as I grew as a dad Mm. and as a physician and as a husband, and apparently that storytelling style has touched a nerve. The Bryson City books uh, still sell exceptionally well, and I'm praying that the Lord will use the Kissimmee books in the in the same way. I should I should tell our listeners that all of the books that I write, and I'm, this will be my thirty third book, Kissimmee, are all all of the proceeds from those books go to ministry. Wow. So we've never uh, kept a dime. The same was true of our days with Fox. That um, that income all was used by a board of directors for mission purposes. And our personal belief is that those gifts will pay a 10,000% interest Amen. because of the hundredfold principle that Jesus teaches for sacrificial giving. So so when you started the Bryson City books, did you have that same focus as soon as those came out, that you are going to do- donate all the proceeds to ministry? You know, I did, and it was because we had uh, joined Focus, I was sensitive, Andy, that I didn't want anyone to say, oh, well, yeah, you can write a book and sell it because— you're at focus on the family. Right. Uh, Dr. Dobson had the same exact philosophy that um, uh, it just wasn't wise to to do that. And it's been great fun to be able to um, to share. You know, to pay it ahead, if you would. It's been a real joy for us. So, when you're at focus on the family, you were with Dr. Dobson at that time, or is that before he moved on? Moved on. Yeah. To no, his- I was. I was vice president there for about five years, just before uh, he transitioned over to Family Talk, and okay. we still are great friends. I was just in studio with him um, uh, a month ago, talking about this this new book, Fit Over Fifty, and and he's doing well. For all the listeners who have appreciated yeah. he and his he and Shirley are doing well. Today, yeah. the old is doing well, still not married, and then Ryan, who is his son, who's married has uh, given Jim and Shirley their two grandchildren. And uh, Jim's favorite answer to the question when people ask, they say, Dr. Dobson, how many grandchildren do you have? And he'll say, not enough. (laughs) Uh So uh, was he a mentor of sorts for you? Oh, very much so. Uh, Tell me about that relationship and some of the things that you learned from him. Yeah, it was really special. Our oldest daughter, uh, our first child and oldest is Kate, Mm-hmm. Kate was a very compliant child, and yeah. we felt we were the best parents on earth. <laughs> we thought Dr. Dobson would want to interview us so other parents could be as good as we were. And then along came hard-headed and strong-willed Scott. And, uh, oh, boy, he was a tornado, Andy. And, yeah. uh, in fact, our my favorite parenting verse in those years was, Thou shalt not murder. Oh, <laughs> <You> no. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but... Uh, so it put us on our knees, and we began to read Dr. Dobson's book, The Strong-Willed Child. Right. And we would read a chapter, half a chapter, a chapter every night in bed. And that's why I always told Dr. Dobson, I met you in bed. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but those those uh, parenting principles straight out of Scripture were just revolutionary for us. And so a few years later, I had a chance to serve on a physician's advisory board for him. And then after Fox... Uh, uh, stopped the health channel, that's when he gave me an opportunity to come serve with him, and I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Well, obviously, like some of the things, it, it, it's similar. The, I think about the way that I used 
your book, the first time I read one of your books was The Ultimate Guy's Body Book. And this was not, you know, for my own bodybuilding, though uh, I'm sure there's things that I picked up myself. But similar to like how folks in the family, Dr. Dobson, in that wheelhouse of literature and content um, has influenced us. Abby and I, you know, read Bringing Up Boys and Bringing Up Girls, for that matter. We have two boys in a girl or at this point 12 10 and 8 so our oldest son Andy the 4th we got, we realized we've been working along the way t- talking to him about sexuality um and just at, hopefully at appropriate uh, in an appropriate way at each level and phase of their life but Andy was going into middle school and we realized we had to do something and we needed to have the talk so to speak and uh, just like a very m- much more clear talk and we we got your book and instead of having a talk we had four or five long talks where we took your book and chapter by chapter he and i read it out loud to each other now before i don't want to steal too much of your thunder but m- m- maybe you could tell us what motivated you to write this book for um adolescent boys and well i can't tell you what um uh, encouragement and blessing it is, Andy, to, to hear that, because that was the exact prayer, uh, that, the, the, that the parents would be able to use it to walk, the boys' book to walk through with their little boys, and girls' book to walk through with their little girls, what God's view of sex and sexuality and their body and their pimples and yes. their, their puberty, what God's uh, principles were for those, and to encourage them that God uses young people. Uh, uh, as I mentioned in the boys' book, uh, other than Peter, all of the disciples appear to be very young teens, right. and uh, so God has something special that He does in the life of of the preteen and the teen. And to be able to meet them there was for me a a, a, a calling. But it's actually started in Kissimmee, Florida. Yeah. I was I moved. Barb and I moved there in 1985. We left Bryson City because our children had been sexually abused by oh. a babysitter. And I'm it so was sorry. a very, very difficult time for us, as you can imagine. And so the Lord led us away from that, that um, little hamlet. Yeah. And a fellow that I had trained with at Duke, John Hartman, was in practice in Kissimmee. And we were dear friends, and so he invited us to come down. Well, John had been in Kissimmee for a couple of years. And one of the things he enjoyed doing was going into the school system every year and talking to the fifth graders. He'd either talk to the boys or the girls separately. Their parents could be there. And he would talk to them about their body changes mm-hmm. and let them ask any question they would want. Well, there were enough schools that we needed to divvy up that responsibility. And so just through the years, the 16 years there, I would just save the questions that kids asked and the answers that we gave. And so all of that experience distilled into this one book uh, for boys and one book for girls that allows parents perhaps to see things they maybe wouldn't have even thought about their kids asking. But their kids wonder these things. And so what it, I imagine gave you the opportunity to do, Andy, was open this up to your kids so they know it's a safe topic and they know yes. they can talk dad and they know they can talk to mom our oldest is um is is quiet like he, he often holds in information and so we wonder and often we wonder what he's thinking and so when it came time for the very first day i took him out we went um you might remember from being in tampa by the hillsborough river I, we got an ice cream cone we sat down and and but but, but as soon as we sat down it was like okay he, he knew something was coming, knew, he knew it was coming. He had a whole host of questions ready to go. I was surprised. That's not, not the type of boy he is. Um, and then it came up, and what we were able to do with your book is we were able to bounce around a little bit. We went as, you know, as chronologically as we could. I don't know, chronologically is not the right word, but question one, there's, um, I'm looking at it right now, 30, 30 different questions in the book. And we went through it, and it gave opportunities for us to bring up certain and at this point like I, even with our culture where it is as as sad and it's different as it is even I'm, I'm 39 years old as different as our culture is from when I was a boy um, I was thankful that there was still a fair a still innocence um, that that he had and so but you really gave us words in, in scripture 
to use with each of these each of these areas. What are the dangers um, for avoiding these type of talks? I mean, it's it's I, I, as a preacher, as a person who's comfortable talking, it's very easy to avoid this or just to um, give a quick little a few analogies here or there. Um, what's the danger of avoiding these conversations? Um, uh, Andy, that's a great question and a very wise one, because the danger of avoiding it is greater now, I think, than it's ever been in history. Wow. From two perspectives. Number one, kids are going to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And so they will share among themselves information that most of the time is wrong, and certainly, usually, not biblically based. So if you decide not to bring it up, not to say anything, you can guarantee that the education that they're going to get will be mostly wrong, number one. And then number two, because of our kids' access to uh, electronic data, you know, social media, the Internet, uh, the evil people, the evil person who is literally seeking, uh, I think working for the evil one himself, (laughs) seeking to lie and steal and, and, and... be a thief and to murder our children's innocence and their virginity. Yes, uh, uh, is is has developed ways to get through almost every barrier that we can establish to meet our children on their electronic media. Right. In fact, Andy, I tell parents who make the very unwise decision of allowing their children to have electronic. Uh, computers, smartphones, or whatever, in their bedroom. Right. To think of it this way. Imagine, you know, it's uh, 11 or 12 o'clock at night, got one of those late-night Tampa thunderstorms, sure. you know, their blustery wind and the rain's crazy, and there's a knock on your door. And you go and you turn on the light and you look out, and there's a fella standing there. He's got a hat that's dripping wet and kind of a, 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 a rain, dark raincoat that's dripping. He's got a chewed-off cigar in yeah. his mouth, unshaven. Yeah. He's got oil skin pants and some canvas shoes. And and you say, uh, well, I'm with the Army, so this isn't unusual yeah, <laughs> necessarily sure. to see. But you ask the fellow, you say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And he says, uh, I'd like you to come let me in your children's bedroom. Oh, wow. And you say, for what? He said, I want to teach them some things. I want to show them some things. And who in their right mind would say, well, come on in. Going back to my children's bed. No one would do that. And yet, when we allow electronic media into our children's bedroom, that's exactly what happens. And so I'm so grateful early on, even before, long before we got to focus, our rule in our family was that all electronic media were in a single public room in our house. It was single a public room. Okay. Everyone had access to everyone's email, passwords. We shared security software. And I still do. My son, Scott's 38 years old, and he and I are still accountability partners. Wow. This is such a dangerous area. Everybody um, in the family. Like, So you're even suggesting that every family member has every other family member's password. That's how we did it. Wow. We said this information. Uh, my kids still have access to my I email love that. And Barb does too. And um, I, I, I say, well, Barb, did you see that email? And she'll say, well, no. And I said, well, it's, I want you to look at it. And, yes. uh, but but we, sh- we share that. We share that accountability. And the reason I say it's even more dangerous now, Andy, is because we're not just a post, in my view, we're not just a post-Christian society here in the United States. We're a post-truth society. Right. So now truth is determined by what people think and by what they feel. Their gender is fluid. Their right. truth is fluid. Their sexuality is fluid. Their acceptance of biblical norms, their knowledge of biblical norms is right. almost non-existent. <clears throat> and so to be able to share with our children, our family, those we serve, that God's boundaries are protective, that we might have life, and that we might have it abundantly, and uh, to show them that literature is very clear, that especially for a religious couple, especially for a couple that loves Jesus, that sex within the confines of marriage is more meaningful, it's more frequent, 
It's more satisfying. If you, I tell the kids now when I speak in school, if you want to have a great sex life, wait until you're married mm-hmm. and that trust, trust of marriage. So the books came out of that, that experience and those thoughts, Andy. Well, let me back up if I could, like you're, you're taking out the, the media issue and for parents and like people who are my age and with kids who are about this phase, it's a huge question. And, um, I, I take a risk of like sounding a little overly confident in my own, in our own parenting because most of the time, but, but on the other side, most of the time I'm, I'm almost shamed by it, but in that we haven't l- allowed our kids to have their own devices, um, at, at this point. And we, we go to an evangelical Christian school. Our kids are, you know, God's provided wonderfully for us to be able to be there. But even in that situation, I don't, I think there's 40 kids in my son's class and there might be two or three who don't have their own device. Now I might be wrong on those numbers, but um, he's, he's made to feel like he's the only one. Um, and it, there's, there's, a, there's two sides of this question. Like one, there's on our side, like I kind of wonder how, how much longer, we, Abby and I feel like we should just delay as long as possible, as long as we possibly can make it. But then there's the other side. Well, what, what would you say to these other Christian parents who at the age of eight, 10, 11 are giving their kids a uh, cell phone? How, how can we challenge that? So it's two, two sides of that question. Like for those who have already um, gone the, the route of advice, and then for those of us who haven't, what advice can you give us for um, when, when's an appropriate time for that? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think the answers are quite dependent upon each family and upon yeah. your kids, and, and to seek wisdom. I mean, to ask God for the Solomonic wisdom for what should we do and, and how, how we sh- should do it, because uh, protecting them by not allowing them to have access, what little study research we have, and that shows that that doesn't put them behind the eight bar, hmm. the ball up. Uh, they're going to do well. They're going to be able to catch up quickly at whatever time that is introduced. But there are ways that you can begin to introduce uh, the principles and use of electronic media in a very controlled fashion. Let me use another example. Barb and I, um, just because of our marriage mentoring ministry and because of myself as a a physician, Barb, as a Bible study fellowship leader, often had the opportunity to counsel couples who were in marital difficulty. And one of the more difficult marriage issues, or one that tends to be very divisive for families, are finances. Yes. And so people who misuse their finances, it's it very destructive to their marriage. And so we wanted our children early on to learn about finances and to, to be wise we, we, I always talk about shepherding the four T's, the, the mm. treasure, the time, the temple, meaning the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so the, the um, time, treasure, temple, and time, temple, what's the fourth T? Most people just think of the three T's. Yeah, yeah. Time, treasure, and... <laughs> anyway, well, we can we can add it down to the description if we think of it later. Or treasure is one of them, and so Barb established very early on the Bank of Mom. It talent, was an old, it, it, yeah, Bank of Mom. It was an old. Okay. Oh, I, I thought the other T might be talent. I don't know. That is talent. Okay. Treasure, time, and temple. Perfect. But uh, we had an old fishing box, okay. and that's from the, from the time the kids were five or six. All of their money was in that box. And okay. so whenever money would come in from gifts or money they earned or allowance, there was the tithe drawer. So ten, in our case, we chose 10%, boom, into that drawer, and then 20% for savings, mm-hmm. then 70% that they could use for spending as they wished, but with mom's counsel. Right. And then over time... They were given more and more freedom as they proved themselves good stewards right. of, of their treasure. And then we even arranged with our bank for the kids to get credit cards when they were in their mid-teens. Interesting. And that was uh, so they could learn, to, instead of going to the bank of mom and getting cash, they could spend that way, using that, that card. And so... The, so the same thing with social media. Right, right. Uh, we have couples in our in our marriage mentoring ministry who have kids who are getting electronic media fairly young, 
But for example, in the case of a cell phone, it's strictly limited. It's used as a location device for the parents so that they can see where the kid is at all times, right. and it's limited only with discussion with the with the parent. And there's also okay, interesting. Same thing with the computer, used for school activity, but social media is very limited. And uh, uh, Scott and Jen, our, our, our daughter and daughter, uh, our son and daughter-in-law, their kids are ten and nine, <clears throat> and Scott and Jen. Excuse me. Live in Decatur, mm-hmm. and their their kids are constantly bombarded with social media. But they still are very careful in what they let the kids do, so the kids earn the right to yes. use that. And the consequences of misusing it, obviously, are losing it, mm-hmm. and uh, which is, which can be <laughs> very very uh, difficult for some, some right. of the children. That, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it's motivating too. So, with the with the folks who have already taken the plunge and they're they're already deep in into it, and they they kind of maybe feel that it's out of control at this point. Is there anything you could recommend that they do to kind of gain that control? I mean, it sounds like some of these pieces of of of, of limiting the use of of restricting like who they can talk to that sort of thing can be helpful. Anything else that you could add for those folks who are kind of yeah, for for people who've already let the cow out of the barn? Yeah, go last of the cow. Amen. <laughs> you know? of the horse and to sit down and if you're not a family that has frequent family discussions especially at mealtime you certainly want to be sure that you uh, have a time where you can just sit and talk yes and and to be able to say kids we are very concerned about something and uh, we want to talk to you about it and I we have a couple in our mentor group who were convicted they needed to pull back on this. And the way they handled it, I thought it was brilliant, Andy. They sat down with their, I think it was a 12- and 14-year-old, and the dad said, I need to ask you guys to forgive me. Hmm. What? He said, I want you to forgive me. I am sorry that I've let you wander into an area that's potentially very dangerous for you, Wow. very dangerous for your future marriage, very dangerous for your future spouse, and very dangerous for your kids should the Lord allow you to have kids. So will you forgive me? And now, as a result, what Mom and I feel that we need to do is this, for all of us, not, it's not just you, but as a brother and sister in Christ, hmm. I want us to be accountable to each other, to yes. protect each other, to exhort each other, to encourage one another. And are we going to swim against the culture? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And may we be kidded and even persecuted for it? Well, yeah. But as Christians, we're called to that. And um, and in that particular case, prayerfully done and very humbly presented, uh, the younger boy said, "Uh, Daddy, um, you're right. I know we should do this. Wow. It's amazing how kids seem to understand that. And, of course, I, it's easy to kind of talk about what we're doing for our own kids. Of course, I feel like I need a regular reminder, my wife and I do, about our own usage. Like, what are they, what are they seeing and what I do and how attentive am I to them? And it, I need a, I'm the cow that needs to get lassoed back into the barn, too, um, with yeah, that. You're exactly right. I just got a call from Scott. Uh, day before yesterday, he said uh, we share this uh, little app that shows how much time we're online. Yeah. And, uh, he said, Dad, your online usage went up like 22% or something. You know, what's that about? Is that research for a book? Or I don't game or anything like that. Yeah. And I said, God, I am so glad you, you saw that. I'm so glad you called. I meant to mention to you. I was at a missions conference last week in Louisville. It's called the Global Missions Health Conference. And the hotel I was staying at, the Internet was down. And so to access the Internet, I had to use the hotspot, make my phone hotspot, yeah. which, uh, which then upped, upped the usage. Yeah. And he said, okay, well, I hope you don't mind me checking. I said, are you kidding? Yeah. I'm delighted that that you check. When I check into a hotel, um, I'm on the road a couple hundred days a year traveling, and uh, either my son or my accountability partner will get a call from the front desk person saying, uh, Dr. Laramore's here and wants me to let you know I have turned off the movies in his room. Wow. 
Now, I mean, this sales clerk, the one in Louisville, looked at me like, I'm sure he thought I was some sort of sex addict or, right. sex, you know, or had an ankle brace on or something. But uh, it gave me an opportunity to share with him that, uh, no, I just, I, this is an area of my life I just want to protect myself. The only image I want in my mind of a woman is Barb. Right. That's the image that I, that I want to carry, and I don't, um, I don't want any other. This episode of Captain's Corner is brought to you by WPO Development. I have a good friend, Keith Waters, who's the CEO of WPO Development, and he has a phrase he uses all the time that I have found to be very helpful, and it's this. If you don't know where you are going, any path will take you there. Isn't that true, both in our personal lives and especially in our ministries? It is critical that we all have a clear plan and a path to where we want to go. Keith and his company, WPO, have worked with the Salvation Army and other ministries across the country and can help you develop a strong mission planning study all the way up to managing a capital campaign. I'm currently working with Keith and his team here in Tampa and would urge you to contact them if you have any planning or campaign needs at info at wpodevelopment.com or you can just Google them and find their website as well. God bless you. It's in, um, what I noticed from your book on on the Ultimate Guy's Body book is that you you use your um, gifting and training as a medical doctor to uh, consolidate, um, collate. I don't know what the right word is to uh, various uh, medical studies to and, and make them accessible to people like me who's not gone to medical school. I'm, I'm curious with with the. Um, social media and devices, what type of, how, how you respond to this as a doctor and somebody's dealing with physical bodies, what type of response? I mean, I think we know generally that it leads to depression, um, that people experience more depression the more they're on their devices. But what other type of physical responses um, does, this, does or physical impact does it have on us? Well, and, and the... Um younger you are, even greater the impact it has. Okay. But it, uh, the, the literature that we're, the studies that are coming out are just almost exponential how many, how they're growing. We know, for example, that even having electronic media in your bedroom disrupts your sleep. Hmm. Even if it does not go off in the middle of the night, just having the presence of it uh, decreases deep sleep, increases awake time, increases nightmares. I mean, it's stunning. Hmm. We know that uh, it increases emotional uh, difficulties, increases anxiety, increases depression. It actually increases isolation. I mean, you think, I've got 4,000 friends on, on Facebook, and none of them are friends. You know, they're just acquainted. But the more time that we spend the more negative the impact on our emotions. And that's because of the way our God designed our brain. Barb and I wrote a book called His Brain, Her Brain. Okay. How divinely designed differences can strengthen your marriage. But the mind actually rewires with the more electronic exposure that, that we have. And for young kids, 25 and under, whose brain is still going through significant formation, yes. it can be... It can literally be disastrous. So it affects our emotional health. It affects our relational health. It affects our sleep and physical health. Wow. And I think if you're not careful with what you're watching, it can affect your spiritual health. Now, there can be great good on the Internet. All the book research that I do now, 99.9% yeah. is Internet-based. Okay. But you've really got to be wise and teach your kids how to be wise and picking and sorting through it. We have a deal with our kids when they were coming up. We called it Find the Lie. Okay. And what that was was we'd be watching a TV show or watching a movie, and the idea was find the lie. Where is something being presented or said or shown that specifically counteracts a biblical principle or a mm. godly protection? And the kids are fabulous at that. Mm. And they would find things or see things we wouldn't, or we'd see things that they wouldn't. I remember one time Kate was, I'm guessing, eight or something yeah. like that. And so she was, um, we were watching the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Mm -hmm. 
and there's a point where he's um, doing a pot, and um, uh, his girlfriend came behind him to hug him or something, and um, and Kate was just a you know young girl, and uh, I looked at her, her head was down, and so I hit the pause button and I said something matters. She goes, I, I don't want to watch that. Wow. And I said, oh. <laughs> like something that gets pottery. Or, yeah, sure. You know, I was like, you know, or romantic scenes. Said, yeah. I, I I want my first night with my husband to not have any images of someone else. And I thought this girl's so far beyond where I was at her age wow. and her in her wisdom. And so I said, you know, I apologize to you. Let's let's watch something else. Yeah. But it was that mutual accountability, and she felt comfortable sharing. And I. I was so um, honored. Uh, so it's called Find the Lie. What a uh, kind of a fun game. <laughs> Find the oh, Lie. And even more so now. I, I just saw a study the other day showing that now 20% of the network characters on TV, 18.5%, this fall are going to be homosexual or, uh, or gender-fluid characters. Uh, we know that the U.S. population is not nearly that high. But um, as you guys in the Army are learning, there's a cultural phenomenon in the LGBTQ community that uh, this post-truth community, gender-fluid community, that absolutely will not tolerate discussion or difference or disagreement, even agreeable disagreement. Uh, And I think it's going to become increasingly difficult for those of us with biblical perspectives to maintain those. My mantra is I think we have to. I think we have to do it in love. We have to do it wisely with wise communication. Love and serve people where they are. But we can't divorce being light from being salt. And I define being salt as speaking the truth and light as living the truth. And and you guys for over a hundred years, you modeled that. And I pray that you'll be able to continue. Continue. I think there's going to be increasing persecution for that, uh, increasing um, uh, difficult language because of that. And yet, uh, we're called to love much in yeah. a world that desperately needs it. And sometimes what love takes is love, speaking the truth in love might mean sharing the what we really want to see happen in someone's life, not just what we have, but what God word reveals about his way to live that god's way is the best way we in the salvation army through the the ministry god leads us to all over the country just here in tampa we have about 300 people who will stay in a salvation army bed tonight um we don't ask any questions about their sexuality when they come in and we don't um make that issue that's anywhere related to what we offer them as a service when the time comes, and hopefully we can develop a relationship that is such that we can um, speak into our life, but that that doesn't um, moderate any of the service that we offer, particularly in a social service capacity. Now, when we get into discipling relationship with somebody, that you know take on a different form, and, and there's people are agreeing with that. And what we hold as a denomination, as a Christian church. Um, that holds orthodox beliefs that the church has held for 2,000 years, that's important to us, too, to make sure that we are are being who we've been created to be and holding the views that the church has held for years. I mean, it, it's just the last little blip on the cultural timeline that we've been dealing with this issue. I mean, you just think in our, our you know, when Barack Obama was first president and he was, he was, the views he's holding now, would he would got him kicked out of a restaurants at this point so we have to be be cautious and uh, i i i mean i do worry in some ways it it can put me even hearing you say certain things it it can i don't know if i'm quite depressed but i get disappointed to think oh man what are the world my kids are coming into but at the same time i'm also encouraged that i i think that god has for whatever reason brought us in at this time and my kids and your grandkids will be there for their time and if we can give them something that's so appealing a way to thrive in life now, hopefully that will fortify them when these challenges are on their way. Oh, that they may be light in a, in a dark and decrepit world. Yes. And, and you've outlined uh, 
what I teach health professionals as far as evangelism in, in the in the health community. Sure, and that is that that God did to me. The Bible describes evangelism not as an event, not persuading someone to pray a prayer, but a process. And as you see in the army, sometimes a very long process of mm-hmm. many many steps. M a n y m i n i many many steps, mm. and that cultivation process means meeting people where they're at, and it's as you see every day it can be a very stinky, smelly, ugly place. That we walk into that darkness to love and to serve, and you know Peter fairly uh, not a wilting flower, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, outspoken extrovert, foot in the mouth type of guy had a very important concept about evangelism. In in 1 Peter 3.15, he exhorts us to be prepared always, every minute, in every appointment, every opportunity, be prepared always to make a defense, an apology of the faith that lies within us. And then he says, when asked. Hmm. When asked. Yet, yet, when asked, with gentleness, that Greek word, is similar to a mother holding her baby to her breast to breastfeed. That gentle, that soft, and with gentleness and with reverence, with holiness. I mean, take off the shoes, take off the socks, holy of holy moments. When, A, you have been salt that is tasty and light that has been attractive in such a way that someone feel, feels safe to ask a question, knowing they're not going to get blasted, they're not going to get ridiculed, they're not going to get pushed, they're going to be met. But in cultivation, to help someone take that next little step, because in cultivation, people don't come to trust Jesus, they come to trust a Christian. Yes, people. And that's the next step into sowing, and that's what you've said about the denomination. Once we begin discussing God's Word and its principles, uh, then we use a little bit different language, and we use a different approach, because people then need to come to trust God's Word. And most of them don't care what you believe about infralapsarianism or superlapsarianism. Sure, sure. They want to know what it says about divorce and hunger and depression yes. and, and finances and success. And, and it's in that sowing phase that we see people looking for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, and it is in that sowing environment that we can begin to present the gospel, not not to persuade, but for understanding. And then as God draws people to himself, you know, Jesus said, no man comes to the Father, no person comes to the Father until the Father draws them, until he calls them. And Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw men to myself. And as that hound of heaven begins to bray and call, and they begin to to sense him, as they begin to be enlightened, we're there for them, to help them make that decision to marry, to trust for life, the Savior and Creator of their souls. And I I think the Army's been misunderstood by the missiology community for so long, as, as, I mean, haven't you heard it? People saying, well, you know, it's kind of watered-down, lily-livered, yellow-belly evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to go ahead and get them to pray a prayer, and if not, dust off your feet and move on. Boy, that's the most anti-Jesus, anti-biblical approach I've ever heard of. I think you guys have modeled it wonderfully, and God bless you. Well, thank you for saying that. It's great encouragement to those who, you know, those of us who are, you know, trying to find that line of how we help people come to a place of making decisions for themselves. And, and it's certainly not going to come as if you say to somebody, well, you'll get a better meal if you come to church, or you'll, something like this, or um, forcing people to be in a position. That's never, that's never been the way that we've handled that as a Salvation Army through our 154 years of existence. I, I wanted to make, I, we only have a little bit longer here, and I, I really appreciate your time. Um, you, you've written another book that's really well known. I, like, as you mentioned, you have 34 books, but there's a book you've written called Alternative Medicine and a Christian Response. And, and often in the church, like, there's a little bit of caution for me as a pastor to talk about too many things related to um, physical well-being from time to time, like maybe generically talking about people being healthy and exercising and that sort of thing. But, you know, you can get in real trouble when you start talking, you know, about people going to fast food restaurants or um, messing with people's essential oils or whatever it is. I'd be interested to hear um, what are some of the, I, we don't have time to go into, I guess people can go read the, read the book, but what are some of the key insights that you have from that alternative medicine book that you could share with us? 
Yeah, it's it's been a very popular book, and I think about one third of it is actually theology. Okay. Uh, what are the biblical principles of health? What's the Christian explanation for illness and suffering? I'm talking about an orthodox, biblical view of that, not a prosperity uh, theology, mm-hmm. prosperity gospel explanation. Um, what are the biblical pr- principles for pursuing good health? And then, what do you need to know about alternative medicine and natural medicines to make wise decisions? Mm-hmm. And my co-author was a... Uh, a uh, Ph.D. botanist at Ohio State at the time, Donald O'Matuna. Donald's now in Ireland planting churches and teaching in a nursing school. But our approach was that alternative medicine requires the same standards as traditional medicine. In other words, if something has not been shown to be effective and safe, hmm. it probably shouldn't be utilized. Okay. And in the, in the issue with natural medicines, that's herbs, vitamins, and supplements in our country. We're the only developed country in the world where these substances are essentially unregulated, and they have been since 1995. You do not even have the assurance when you pick up an herb, vitamin, or supplement that what's in the bottle is what the label says. It's interesting. The comedian, um, I forget which one it is, maybe Jim Gaffigan, he... um, relatively clean comic so i feel like i could say who it is he talks about how um like why why we um will accept these uh, vitamin treatments that aren't approved by the fda at the same time a twinkie is approved so like you know we we're willing to take some of these pieces in but they're so you're you're saying since 1995 there hasn't been regulations to control that uh, what's even in the bottle is what it says wow that's you don't, you don't know that it'll be absorbed. You don't know that it does not contain contaminants. You don't know that it, that it, it um, has the uh, supplement that's listed. You, it, it, you just don't know that. Now, there, is, there are two protections, mm-hmm. actually three now, for the consumer in America. One is that there's uh, a, a several independent quality testing labs that go out and buy herbs, vitamins, and supplements, and then they test them to see, does the bottle contain what the label says? Are there contaminants or mm-hmm. not? Cancer-causing or lead or what have you? If it's a tablet, is it formulated in a way that can be absorbed? And does it actually contain what the studies have shown work? For example, probiotics. There's hundreds of probiotics, but only a few that have been shown to be effective. So one of those is called... Um, uh, um, consumerlab.com. Okay. And Consumer Lab is a subscription site. I am an endorser of them, but I have no financial connection um, w- with them at all. The other is called uh, the Natural Medicines Comprehensive Database. Um, you can find both of these online. It's also a subscription source, but they have information on what these substances are, what people claim they do, what they actually do what the adverse side effects are, what the costs are. In the case of Consumer Lab, they will actually list the products that they've tested and the ones they've improved. They'll show you which one are vegan, which ones are gluten-free, which mm-hmm. ones are the least expensive uh, uh, that you can find. And, and so it allows me, I, I take a statin for, for a familial high triglyceride level, and I use it in fish oil. Both have been shown to be effective. But in my case, statin gives me some muscle aches. And the studies show that statin-induced myopathy can be counteracted with CoQ10. So when my family doctor suggested the CoQ10, I went to ConsumerLab.com, went to their CoQ10 review, and found that there you go. Costco had one that had been tested, had been approved, and was the least cost per 100 milligram capsule. Hmm. So I said, there you go. That's the one I want. I don't have to order a $50 one from an internet site that claims this, that, or the other. Yeah. Um, Natural Medicines uses a um, testing group called U.S. Pharmacopeia, or USP, and they do the same thing. They, they purchase products and test them. But Natural Medicines also takes all the untested products they have and rates them. Uh, on a 1 to 10 scale. And when I talk to patients in the office about these products, I tell them not to use any product that's not rated at least an 8 out of 10 hmm. or up. 
but it's very difficult in our country now. Those subscription products are available to groups, and so around the country, churches have purchased, uh, churches who have people who are using these substances will purchase a subscription either to Consumer Lab or the Natural Medicines Database and be able to get that information in their church library, if you would. Is there one er one um, example that you see commonly used that is not effective or not shown, um, not tested to show any results that you... I, I know we can get the book and probably get get some more, um, but is there one common one that you, yeah, I mean, you mentioned? We're moving, into, we're moving into flu and cold season, and the CDC is recommending, uh, and it's saying we're going to have a moderate year of flu. Yeah. The good news is that the most prevalent form that we're seeing in our clinics here at the University of Colorado is a flu that's actually in the, it's in the vaccine. Okay. And so we're not seeing, it, it, so far, we've not seen a vaccinated person come down with the flu. You know, we're very early in the season, right. and vaccinated people can get, can get the flu, but um, it, they tend to get a much less severe form. But, but if you do come down with the flu, if you choose not to have the vaccine, or if you come down with a variant of the flu that's not contained in the vaccine, <clears throat> what are the options? Well, the studies show that the zinc lozenges can be effective. But you have to use a particular dose. You have to use between 70 and 90 milligrams of it. You have to take a formulation that is taken through the day. There's a brand name called Zycam. Mm -hmm. That consumer lab has uh, approved for that. The zinc uh, uh, capsules or pills that you take have no effect whatsoever. And the zinc gel that goes into the nose has not only not been shown to be effective, but in rare cases can actually permanently eliminate your ability to taste or smell. Oh, my goodness. So that's a very common example. <clears throat> we now know from several studies that vitamin C does appear to work along with zinc, okay. uh, in reducing the symptoms and the length of time that flu lasts. The study says that doses of 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams a day, but not more okay. than 2,000 milligrams a day. Are, are effective, and that the combination products, uh, airborne or emergency yeah. seed or whatever, uh, don't have any uh, studies of effectiveness, but the vitamin C, which is very inexpensive by itself, uh, does. Some people don't like the, the zinc because um, it can the taste can be uh, difficult for some people. Some people get a little nausea or tummy queasiness with it, and it's just not, not going to work. But uh, what about echinacea? No evidence of effectiveness whatsoever. Stragulus, no evidence of effectiveness whatsoever. Uh, homeopathy, no evidence of effectiveness whatsoever. Wow. But there's sell you this stuff, and the Internet sites will try to convince you of it, and the infomercials that will try to convince you of it. As long as they don't make medical claims, they can almost say anything they want in the United States and get away with it. Wow. That is, uh, so, like, I, I'll take a vitamin C. I, pray, I'm sure you hear this all the time. Like, I take a vitamin C pretty regularly. But you're, it's probably what you're saying is just when you actually have symptoms, like that's when there's, like, a preventative use. Like, I, that's why I tend to think, like, hey, this is good. And actually, it kind of tastes good, too. So I don't mind putting <laughs> One of my ne next books is called Natural Medicines for Common Remedies or common maladies, I'm not sure which title they're going to use. But in the chapter on multivitamins, I say that for most people, there's zero benefit mm. for taking multivitamins, and there may actually be some harm uh, for some people taking them. There's specific vitamins for specific people in specific instances that may be helpful, vitamin D, if you're vitamin D deficient, for example. But the everyday vitamin now has been shown in general to be effective for almost no one and to be harmful for some. Wow. Well, that is so interesting. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk through some of that with us. And I, I know we've taken a lot of your time, but we really appreciate the ministry that God's given you through the years, through your, your practice, and then through the books that you've written and in, in your speaking and educating and assimilating this information for us. So we really, I, I have one more question for you. What are some of the, you obviously have been able to produce a lot of um, content for people to use. What are some of the practical daily disciplines that you use that help you be seemingly from from my seat so productive oh, well I, th I think the uh wise word that you use is is discipline hmm. uh, whether uh, the the 
medical literature is just incredibly clear that what I call the four wheels of health are intricately uh, combined with each other. And that's our physical health yeah. is one. Our emotional mental health is a second. Our uh, our uh, relational health, family and community, our congregation is the third health wheel. And then our spiritual health is, is the fourth. If any one of those four wheels is out of balance or deflated or flat, our entire health vehicle will not run as it was designed. It will not run as long as it was designed to run. It will not run as smoothly, and it will not run as inexpensively mm. as, as it's designed to. And so, but of all those four wheels, I think the Bibles are very clear that the spiritual wheel is the most critical. It's the most important. And so for Barb and I, there's 12 disciplines that that um, we feel are critical for, for our spiritual health. I won't go to in any depth, but just to list them quickly. And by the way, these are all listed in my most recent book. It's called Fit Over 50. Fit Over 50. Got 10 Remember? years for that one, but I'll keep on. <laughs> it just, just came out, and I talk about all four wheels, and then there's uh, 10 essentials for being highly healthy, and then 22 tips, uh, spiritual health, physical health, emotional health, relational health tips. But these will be very familiar to your readership. Number one, read, study, memorize, and meditate on God's Word. Number Amen. two, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Yeah. I was just at a missions conference with 4,000 kids that are seeking God's will for their life. I said, this is God's will for your life. He said, yeah. be sanctified. This is God's will for your life. And... Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. Number three, give generously of your treasure, time, talent, and your temple of the Holy Spirit. Number four, fast. Mm-hmm. Fast. Yes. It's a funny word because it's not quick. Yes. <laughs> but number four. Number five is worship. Celebrate God. Now, not just your communal worship, but your daily worship. And I we're so blessed because our little morning quiet time area looks out over Pike's Peak, except when we're in a blizzard. Wow. And uh, number six is that fellowship, building community with other followers of Jesus, yeah. people that you can be real with, you can be transparent, you can be vulnerable. And you guys in ministry with uniforms on, this is even more critical because it's hard to talk to people about things you're, you're wrestling with. But that accountable fellowship is critical. Number seven, Seek and dispense forgiveness. Hmm. Anger, bitterness, cynicism is a cyanide that will burn out your heart and soul. So seek and and dispense forgiveness. Number eight, practice solitude, silence, Sabbath, simplicity. There's a silent retreat place in Atlanta. It's got a big sign. It says, the word silent, S-I-L-A-N-T, and the word listen, L-I-S-T-E-N, have the same exact letters. Interesting. Coincidence question. <laughs> Number nine, practice confession. Confession to the Father, of course, because if we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to cleanse us of our sins and uh, uh, to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And practice confession, uh, wise confession with each other. Number ten, be mentored and mentor. Uh, if you do not have someone who's ahead of you that can be your coach, your mentor, your guide, you need that. Uh, Bill Judge is a dairyman in Kissimmee, Florida. He's been my mentor since 1985, and he still is. I talk to Bill every Tuesday morning. And then have people that you mentor. If any of our listeners, Andy, mm-hmm. are let's say 40 or over, you have a treasure chest of mm-hmm. experiences and mistakes yes. and goofs and regrets. And if you don't open that treasure chest up, it will die when you die. It will go away. And so for the Christian who's 40 or over, you don't only have the opportunity to find someone behind you that you can mentor. I think we have the obligation to, to do that, to be to be spiritually healthy. Real quick, number 11, volunteer. Volunteer. Yes, amen. Volunteer. And then number number 12, we talked about earlier, pursue purity. Pursue purity. Yeah. Well, this is wonderful. So those are little 12 disciplines. I'm sure that list isn't exhaustive, but uh, the scripture backing each one is in the book, Fit Over 50. And I pray for those who choose to look at it, that'll be a blessing for them. By the way, chapter 6 of that book, 
I've tried to make it the clearest expression of the gospel that I that mm. I could. And so if you have people over 50 that uh, are in your family or friends that you want to share the gospel with us, this book may be a way to do it. And Andy, if you guys if you guys like that gospel presentation and you want a copy at News of there in Tampa, Tampa, you go crazy with okay. it. Okay, got my total permission. It's not my gospel. Amen, amen. You can copy those pages, not any others. You bet. Well, well, we really appreciate you taking time with us here, and we thank God for your ministry and the way that you've sh- stewarded the gifts he's given you and the education. Um, and, and we just trust that God's going to continue to take your and Barb's ministry and expand it. So we just thank you again for taking time here on Captain's Corner. It's been a pleasure, Andy. God bless you guys. And may your ministry result in, in, in you bearing much fruit individually and then as cracked vessels that that light would then spill out to all those people that God draws into your presence. Amen. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Captain's Corner. If you'd like to learn more about us, please feel free to check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at Sal Army Tampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.